The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from pitchos.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. As we're close to finishing our series with the Washington Nationals tomorrow, then that's that's it for the Plus Pitch Podcast for a little bit. I'm going to take some time off with it uh, and return probably back in March. I might have a rare podcast here and there in February. Uh, just any quick thoughts that I want to have on things. But uh, for the most part, I'll be back in March when spring training is happening and to talk about a few things um, there. And then, of course, in season... Every single Monday through Friday through the year, I'll be doing the SP Roundup. I'll be doing the streamers for the day, as well as any other insights that I have that you should be aware of. Um, it's a morning podcast. We'll probably come around uh, 11 a.m. every morning uh, in season. So be on the lookout for that one. Uh, but anyway, we're going to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. And thank you all so much uh, yesterday for leaving your ratings and reviews on iTunes goes a long way for us, um, and make sure to send a DM to me. I will give you a discount on PL Plus yearly or monthly, whichever one you want. I'll just make sure you send a DM, uh, showcasing that you left a rating or review on iTunes. All right, Kevin Gosman. Man, I wrote four paragraphs on this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I've been doing these Twitch streams and covering all the teams. If you also want to see the whole process, you can go back on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash pitchlist to view the, the couple hours I spent on every team. And Gosman, there's a lot of debates. Is he good? Is he bad? Should you go and get a draft pick on him? I'm not totally uh, sold on what to do yet. But here's here. This is what happened: 12 and 10 record last year, 175 innings, 335 ERA, 124 WHIP, 28% K rate, 4% walk rate. And the idea is that there is this one number. Oh, that 364 Babbitt for Gosman last year. It was historic. It has to come down. And that's correct. It, it is going to come down, likely. But it wasn't really all bad luck. You know, it's not going to have a 350 or so next year, but it kind of was deserved. And let me get to, uh, let me get into this. So, really, it all comes down to the four-seamer. And so, what I've been doing a lot more recently, if you notice in the past couple of podcasts, is I have been really dissecting how pitchers approach lefties and righties. And what their strengths are, is it really just immune to platoon splits in some way? What's going on? We have the data to do that, and I realize that I haven't really been doing it enough. And you're going to hear me talking in this way so much more moving forward of just how he attacks a certain guy pitches against lefties and righties and what works and what doesn't. So Gosman went straight to the lefties. I was like, well, clearly four-seamers generally perform worse against lefties, right? We'll see with Alec Manoa how that is the case. And 
well, yeah, there's a huge problem here. Uh, way too much hard contact allowed for Gosman's four-seamer against lefties, 37%. The YM lock is an atrocity. So much middle uh, height on these pitches that, yeah, guys are just teeing off on the thing. He had an 80% strike rate on four-seamers against lefties. Gosman, you can't throw 80% strikes. They just sit back and they relax on it. I know the splitter is still so good, 52% O-swing on it. But you're making it a gamble for yourself. You have to be good with four-seamers and splitters. You can't just be good with splitters and then if they guess correctly, they smack the ball. Right? That's a problem. He does not jam guys inside. It's more arm side. And Gosman refuses to go up and in to lefties. I think that's a skill that Gosman needs to develop in 2023. If he just does more of the same and just kind of plopping four-seamers in there and then relying on on the splitter... No, not going to work. It's not going to work. So then I went over to right-handed, right? And I was like, okay, I expect the four-seamer to be better here. I remember back in the day, he used to be really good at going up and in with the pitch. It's worse. Gosman's four-seamer is worse against righties than it is lefties. Okay? These are going to be a lot of numbers I'm going to throw at you. And I normally don't like to do that. I like to just tell you how you should feel. And then every so often, sprinkle them in. No, I feel like I just need to terrify you out of the gate. So, this is all Gosman's four-seamer against right-handers, okay? That's the qualifying, whatever, the qualifiers of this. The BABIP went from 282 in 2021 to 426. So, you're like, oh, well, that's terrible luck. No, it's ex-BABIP, which was 300 the year before, so we got a little bit lucky in 2021 in the good way. Went from 371. 371 expected BABIP on four-seamers is terrible, terrible he deserved a lot of this it's hard contact 31 percent in 2021 not good 40 percent worse than against left-handers that's huge expected average went up 60 points to 327 it's high location under 37 percent these are horrible things you should be yelling at me to stop doing this because we get the point nick but it's bad And I was so shocked to see how bad this was. So this is not a product of the home park, of the turf. Not a product of the Jays' defense. It is not just pure lady luck. This is Kevin Gosman having a bad four-seamer. It does not have a 10% swinging strike rate. This is, oh, fix this, Gosman. And honestly, a lot of people are going to look back at this, at Gosman, and they say, okay... K-minus walk rate is about 24%, which is elite, right? 28% K rate, 4% walk rate. They're going to say it's a 335 ERA and the whip was just high. What I see is someone that should have had a much higher ERA. I'm super happy he had the K rates because the splitter is just so dang good. The walk rate needs to go up. It should not be a 4% walk rate. It should be like a 6 or 7% walk rate. The whip will come down to about 110 The ERA will be better. That's what needs to happen. You need to throw more competitive four-seamers. Not these in-the-zone, just-do-what-you-want pitches to set up your splitter. No, no, no. Stop having 80% strike rate to left-handers with a four-seamer. I've done enough here. I mean, oh, the slider. Slider's negligent to me. I don't don't care about the slider. It's all about this four-seamer. So how do you approach this, right? 
And I've spent this like whole podcast on just Gosman so far. This is going to go long. This might be the longest one because there's stuff to talk about with everybody. Okay? How do you approach this with Gosman? I don't know. I don't like saying... I don't, I don't like saying this guy could be better and drafting banking on that, right? I like saying, no, I get him at a depressed value and then hopefully he, he takes that step. Considering that Gosman is going inside of the aces of dubs, right? That is the top 24 starting pitchers. I don't feel comfortable taking Gosman ahead of other guys in this range of like Max Freed, for example. I... Uh, I don't know where I stand with between him and like Shane Bieber and you Darvish and Zach Gallen. It I haven't made up my mind yet. I will say he's going to give you 200 plus strikeouts. He's going to give you probably an ERA that's around 3.5 or so. And the whip, I don't know if it's going to be dramatically better than 124. Should probably be 115, 120. Right? If if like everything sticks around. Do what you want with that. That's on you. I, I think I, I feel as if that's good enough for me. And then having the ability to then be better than that is why he's still in my top 20. But boy, oh boy, do I hate the fact that I don't like the four-seamer and I'm relying on a splitter. I know it's the best splitter in the majors. It is definitively the best one, most consistent one out there. But boy, I hate relying on it. <laughs> that That's the situation with Gosman. Um, I don't think I'm going to have him in leagues. I think other people are going to put him like a 10 or something like that. And I'm like, okay, goodbye. Um, Alec Manoa, am I going to rank him higher than Kevin Gosman? That's a very good question. And I'm going to answer that one after this break. Manoa had a 16-7 and record last year, about 197 innings after throwing about 130. Good on you, buddy. 224 ERA, 0.99 whip, but a 23% K rate, 6.5% walk rate. Manoa is a little different, but also the same. But still different, but same. And... Manoa does not jam left-handers with his four-seamer. It drives me nuts. I feel like it's the biggest thing he can do to improve himself. He just doesn't do it. Uh, It's nearly 10% swing strike rate on his four-seamer against lefties. But it's 19% against right-handers. And I know generally it's better. Generally, right-handers, as I mentioned before, are are, uh, same-armed four-seamers perform better. But man, this is a big jump, and it's, it's it's annoying to me. The sinker for Alec Manoa is this actually is a really good pitch for him, and it doesn't grade too well because he throws it in the zone to hittable spots a lot. The movement doesn't necessarily justify it, but he gets away with it. He gets a lot of called strikes with it, and inside he does O swing all up the wazoo at times to righties, jams him effectively, under nineteen percent hard contact. Uh, with that sinker inside a righties, which, I mean, just in general to righties, is really, really good. Um, it's also sub-25% to lefties, which is shocking to me because he stays arm side with it, um, and it just kind of works. Uh, he, he gets them off the plate a little bit with it. But he doesn't go up and in with the four-seamer. Now, there is room for improvement in two ways. One, he goes with this change-up against lefties, and it's just stop doing that. This is a thing that I see a lot these days. Um, I know Eno Saris made a really good point. Saying that, look, if you were a two-pitch pitcher and you just have a mediocre third pitch, that's actually better than just not having a mediocre third pitch. But change-ups getting thrown to lefties or opposite-handedness just for the sake of having one is not good. Like, this is a 50% strike rate on a change-up that throws 18% of the time or close to 20%. Like, you can't do that. Th- those should just be sliders. 
And your changeup, sorry, your your sinker and your four seamer do enough of a different movement to be fine with that. The slider doesn't really have the skill set yet to be a back foot slider. I think that is a, an area of development for Manoa, which would mean you get more strikeouts um, and more swinging strikes in general um, if you're able to throw those sliders more consistently um, instead of those changeups. And also moving the four seamer to be jamming lefties more often. So I think he got a little lucky last year. You see the sub 250 Babbitts for two straight years. I think that's a product of the four seamer and the sinker, honestly, being really tough to hit. And the slider movement is elite. Um, it's not getting the whiffs we want to see because I don't think that Manoa is necessarily using them right and committing it in full at the moment. But I trust this. I actually do really like Alec Manoa's skill set. And I think that the 23 strikeout percent strikeout rate can go up. It should be worse next year. It should be a 225 ERA. I think, especially he, given how much he got away with the, the, the sinkers, Manoa's. Sinker should get hit a little bit harder this year in the zone, that kind of stuff. But he did go through moments where the sinker wasn't good. And he actually openly talked about it when he was struggling. I generally like Alec Manoa. I think he's, uh, he kind of reminds me of Max Freed in good hard contact suppression, has good enough stuff that is just really tough to do, can go deep into games, and may actually have a higher ceiling strikeout wise. So I may be putting him around the Urias. Freed and uh, yeah, Urias and Freed and Manoa might be kind of the same pitchers to me. Uh, and I might be favoring Manoa. I think I'm going to be favoring Urias. I don't know. Those three of them are all linked together for me, which means I likely have them above Gaussman. Gossman. Kevin Gaussman. Whatever. His name. So yeah, I told you I was going to go long in this one because there's a lot to say about Jose Barrios. I think I found it. I think I figured it out. Okay. Jose Barrios is known as the great undulator as from me. <laughs> <laughs> I call him that. And why that is, is actually pretty interesting. Uh, in 2021, he went 17 for 32 on quality starts. In 2022, he went 17 of 32 for quality starts. But Nick, he had a 3-5 ERA versus a 5-2-3 ERA and a 142 whip and a 20% carry. Like, that doesn't make sense. What I'm telling you is Jose Barrios kind of was the same pitcher, but the bad starts were so much worse. And the good starts weren't as good as it used to be. But his ability, the, the, the back and forth kind of was the same. And there is a huge, huge aspect of why Barrios was worse in 2022. His curveball wasn't it. Curveball actually did a lot of the same whiff stuff that it normally does. There's one aspect of it that is similar. The sinker is actually an elite O-swing pitch, over 42% O swing against right-handers. He does it the right way. And I think it's why Barrios has been really effective in the past is that he gets these outs with singers early in counts. However, Barrios' big failure is that he threw these four seamers and curveballs that were way too hittable early in counts. Lefties, get this. Lefties, four seamers went up from 29% hard contact to 44%. And it's because he threw the pitch earlier in counts more than ever, a staggering amount from about 50 and change percent to 68%. And the ball in play percentage early in counts. So this is essentially how often Brios throws a four-seamer in an early count and it's a ball in play. Actually, just in general, when he throws a four-seamer, how many of them are ball in play that's early in counts? 20%. And you don't have any reference point for that. It used to be 12%. The league average is 14%. 20% is exceptionally high. 
What happened? Lefties, when they were up against Brios, knew that Brios was throwing four seamers. They sold out for it. They swung at it early, and Brios gave him meatballs. He just kind of cruised those things in, and they crushed them. And what that does is, a, is multiple things. One, increases your whip, increases your ERA, too. But three, decreases your strikeout rate because you're not getting to two-strike counts. And this happened as right-handers with Brios' curveball. His curveball was smacked in play earlier than ever. We're talking like 10-11% before. It was 18-19% against right-handers. And so if you're a right-hander, you expected curveballs early. If you are a left-hander, you expected four-seamers early. And batters adjusted to this. And what I think happened is that the teams that beat up on Barrios knew this. And they attacked him. And the teams that didn't, didn't do it. And it was just kind of more of the same undulation. That's it to me. I think legitimately that is all that needs to be different next year. Right? And I will say also the sinker did catch too much of the zone than it usually does too. Um, I think it was kind of more of a situation Brio's not having confidence in the rest of the other stuff. But when he does normally what he does, he's fine. So it's about getting past the first couple pitches with Barrios, finding a better way to attack the zone early. Knowing this, from here, I would think Barrios, like they would know this in the offseason, this is adjustable. It kind of makes me in on Jose Barrios. I would think that this isn't actually a skill that is lost. Like the curveball was the same pitch, uh, you know, by uh, by Stuff's metrics and um, four-seamer and sinker are actually like good. It's the approach and locations were off. And I think that he can adjust that. So I'm kind of in on Barrios. Um, yeah, it's going to still be a headache. I've always, I, I've been out on Barrios in the past because he's a headache and I don't really want to have him on my teams. <laughs> but if he's going outside the top 200, then all right, yeah, I want to take a chance on Barrios. Now, the Jays early in the season are going against the Cardinals and they're going against the Royals. If, if Barrios is the number four, which I think he is, because you have Bassett as a number three, then I think he'd get the Royals in that first game, and I'm okay with that one, which then passes the test of, okay, if I'm taking a guy outside of the 16th round, am I starting him the first weekend? If I'm not, then why am I? Why do I have him? I think I would for Brios. So that's where I'm at with Jose Brios right now. Um, we have more. We've got more. I mean, it really is one more, and then the other ones are just laughable. Uh, it's Chris Bassett. I love Chris Bassett. 15-9 record last year, 181 uh, innings on the docket, 342 ERA, 114 whip, 22% K rate and 7% walk rate, really 6.6. I would love him as my SP4. And he's going around 150 and change for uh, for NFBC ADP, which tells me you can get him as your SP5 in 12-teamers. And this is a guy you do not drop the entire year. This is your better than Toby. Like, he is a Toby, Ratio-wise, I don't think he's going to have an ERA above 3.5. I don't think his whip is going to be above 115. I really don't. Um, I think his strikeout rate is going to be better than 20%. I think he's on a winning ball club. He is a kitchen sink guy. He saves his four-seamer to elevate um, late in counts. I think his slider usage against righties is good, but he needs to command it a little bit better. The curveball is this big pitch that guys just cannot barrel up at all. Um, He does a great job of jamming left-handers with his with his cutter and the sinker gets called strikes up the wazoo it's amazing to me he is he is a sturdy consistent pitcher he had this really weird stretch for about four or five games where he allowed 15 earned runs in two starts essentially and that was it that was like the only turmoil of chris bassett's season there was like a moment he had a three-eight era i'm like what no he's not three-eight era guy it's because of that 
it happens. But through the entire year, I mean, I'd much rather have a guy that has like that one or two bad start and then you can brush it aside and then you feel really good for three months than the one that is always just doing poorly, right? Chris Bassett, go and get him in your leagues. I think he's fantastic. Who is the Jays number five starter, by the way? It's not Junjin Ryu. He got surgery in June. I think he's an interesting play for August and September, maybe, but you don't need to stash him in your IL, really. I think there are going to be way more guys to do for that. And uh, do you trust yourself to drop, drop Ryu when you actually need the roster spot? If you do, then fine. But I think there's too much of a temptation that you give yourself to hold on to Ryu, having held him for so long, and it's May 15th or something. Just don't draft Ryu. Just don't put yourself through that. Is it Yusei Kikuchi? Because that would be a bad thing. His slider is really good. I actually think that on paper, the slider is is elite in many ways of O-swing and zone rate and swing strike rate. But he floats the thing up so often. And it, it's why he has a 25% plus hard contact rate on it, despite it being a pitch that should be like a 13% hard contact rate. Guys just are able to sit on that and crush it at times. But when he executes it, it's gorgeous. Four-seamer is not a good pitch. His cutter is not good enough. His whatever else you want to think of, not good enough. Uh, his change of sports is sub-50% strike rate despite 70, 17% usage against right-handers. Kikuchi is doing the same thing that Manoa is doing. Stop throwing those change-ups. They're bad. Yeah, th- this is going to be one of those times where Kikuchi is going to have like one miraculous start. Everyone's going to go, oh my God, it's Kikuchi again. You go, no, don't do this. So is it Mitch White? 99 innings last year, 545 ERA, 146 whip. He has a solid slider, but his four-seamer is really bad. And the curveball's okay. And that's it. No. You don't want that. So is there a prospect? I think the biggest intrigue is Ricky Tedeman. Um, and I reached out to Chris Clegg um, right before recording this to say, all right, tell me what you want. And this is why you have to really get PL Plus because you just put that in the chat and he's got this amazing answer for you. Um, he is a lefty. This is quoting directly from Chris Clegg. He's a lefty with three plus pitches or better. His fastball made a jump from Juco this year um, and sits mid-90s, this year being, of course, 2022. He sits mid-90s now with tons of arm side run. He has a low arm angle, which creates some deceptiveness. Okay, so think of it this way. Think of it like an Andrew Heaney right now. That's all I'm thinking from this description. Lefty, low arm angle, um, sits mid-90s. If you know Andrew Heaney, that means good VAA for the four-seamer that goes upstairs. That's awesome. Um, and there are these weird angles to both the left-handed batters and right-handed batters. He has a slider as a sweeper. Again, Andrew Heaney, lower 80s. It is mostly against left-handed batters um, over a foot of horizontal break. Doesn't surprise me, lower arm angle, right? Changeup is his best pitch, though. And seeing Chris say that is really interesting because lower arm angle means you get a lot of horizontal break. And if this changeup is his best pitch, that's really cool because generally you see these low, these lower uh, arm angled lefties. They're really good against left-handed batters. But if the changeup is your best pitch, that means you have a nullifier against righties. It runs in on lefties and away from righties so well. Athletic delivery, unique release point, gives them high-end, SP2, upside or better. Just don't like throwing the ace word around on prospects. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jays pushed him up quickly. There is no number five right now. I could, the end of this podcast, you might hear if, if between, I don't know, it's the 13th of January and the 30th when this comes out that the Jays did something to get a number five. They need to so badly. Maybe they should get Pablo Lopez or whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's gone by now the time you hear this to some other team. But you understand my point is that they don't get a number five. They can't trust Kikuchi or Mitch White. And and Tenement clearly is doing good things. They might leave him there for about a month or so. But he might be a very intriguing stash 
And the second he comes up, I am jumping on this. Um, I'm very intrigued by this guy from this review, um, especially if you're telling me that the changeup is the best pitch from a low-angled lefty. I think that's so intriguing. But all right, that is going to do it for this podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to all of these. It's been a really fun month uh, hearing all your response to the Plus Pitch podcast being public. Thank you for the ratings and reviews. They go so far for us. Uh, make sure you do it to the main Pitchless feed, but also, of course, do it to the Plus Pitch podcast individually if you can. Um, but that's it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.